Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, My Unpaid Therapist, where we talk about the things nobody is talking about. We hope that through the power of conversation, we can empower women to be vulnerable in their messiness and the sticky points of life. Hosted by yours truly, Kobe and Sadie. Enjoy the show! Welcome to our season finale episode. Um, Special welcome to anybody who might be new to the pod. We're so glad that you're here and listening and taking the time to be with us. Um, This is season one, episode 10 of My Unpaid Therapist. And I'm so excited for this episode because Kobe and I have been having an ongoing conversation that we touch on off and on whenever we're together, if, if it inspires us. And so I think I was a little reticent to actually make this into an episode. However, since it was my week to pick a topic, I felt like I had to do something that was truly on point with where my mind frame has been and these things that I have been considering. So this episode is going to be about having children and what it means for women to be child-free, and what are some of the ethical considerations around having our own children at a time when it feels very difficult to raise a child and also just to be a human. Um, But before we get into that, I want to check in with my co-host, Kobe, and see how you're doing. Hi, everyone. Uh, I am doing really good this morning. I was just telling Sadie I'm making... um my manifestation card and so I can put it up and call in all the things that I want to, I don't know, be on the same vibration with. And yeah, just getting a lot of like self-care and practices put into place, having the discipline around it. So um, feeling good. And I'm excited to talk about motherhood and all the kind of nooks and crannies of what goes along with that? And especially, like you said, at a time like this, where I think one of my favorite things you said um, was, you know, I before the pandemic, I heard all the parents touting uh, how wonderful it is to have kids and all this stuff. <laughs> then you said, well, and now that the pandemic has hit, uh, I haven't been hearing those parents shout so loudly from the rooftops. I mean, that's a paraphrase of the joys of parenthood and all of that. So I think it's really interesting now too. all the people who always thought they wanted kids and having them and especially like the ones who are maybe school age, like young school age, that it's really tough to be with your children because before it was like they had school and nannies and activities and stuff. And it's like now I think a lot of people are really getting to see, do they really like being parents? (laughs) Is it as great as they thought it was? Maybe for some people it is, but I think for a lot of other people, it's a huge shift. So, um, I think yeah. everybody's having a question from shelter in place. You even look at your partner and you're like, do I like you? <laughs> yeah. or, you know, it's like anybody who now is being forced to live 
so constantly close together and doesn't have the outlets that we once had. Um, so many things have come to the surface. And so maybe that is true for parents. But full disclosure, I am not a parent. And um, I don't really have too many parents around me with small children. Uh, one of my best friends just had a baby. And she appears to be totally in bliss and to have a great thing going on. But I don't get to be around her as much because she lives in Seattle and it's been more difficult to visit. And also meeting the baby, there's more precautions. So I don't feel like I've really gotten to know him yet, but I'm excited to do that. That being said, I have only a perspective of child-free women around me for the most part. Hmm. And I would look at like my circle of friends and I have two camps and I think it's kind of all always been that way. I've had friends who had kids in their early twenties and now those kids are like becoming preteens, which seems crazy because I just feel like even now as I have friends who are having children in the last like year or two, which there's been like a big boom. uh, I still feel like, whoa, we're so young still, but really we're, we're not. We're in our mid thirties, and I am also child free. And um, and then I have just like I think my close close circle of friends, none of them have children yet. And so that'll be an interesting turning point when that starts to happen, um, if it does. So yeah, my perspective too is I think I have always been around my friends with the kids and enjoyed that. And I think in my younger years, I always thought, oh, this could be nice. And now as I get older, I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it becomes more of a question. And I think that that is the direction that we hope this episode to be about, because it's more like for the camp that has grown up always knowing that they wanted to have children, then that's amazing. That decision has been made. And then there is another camp that is more questioning the idea, either undecided or procrastinating on having to make a decision. That's really what I think this episode is about, or really viewing having a child has almost this business decision that you would need to have when you speak to your partner, instead of just assuming that that has to be the next step in your life. Yeah, it's... um... And it's a conversation that to get clarity on, I feel a a person and their partner really need to get quiet and like shut out the external noise to really decide what is right for them, which is so hard to do because I think the topic of children and motherhood, parenthood is one that everyone feels they can weigh in on and has some sort of say. And we've been like so socially conditioned to feel that that is the ultimate fulfillment in life or one of them. And so that can be very confusing on figuring out, well, do I actually feel that way? Or is it like fear-based or do I feel like I'm missing out? Um, And yeah, so it's like getting very clear on your priorities. And I feel you and your partner have been doing a really good job of that and keep checking in on it to make sure that you're still on the same page um, so that it is like an open rolling conversation 
conversation? I think that the um, decision to have kids, it's like, for us, we've been very lucky that we are on the same page. I sometimes love to play devil's advocate and I will ask my partner, do we want to have kids? Look how cute they are. And he'll say, have you been watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Or he'll know that I've been triggered in some capacity. Like, or have you been on social media too much? And I'm always triggered when I am on social media. And I'll say, remind me again why we don't want to have kids. Because I don't really want to make an emotional decision on the most firm commitment of my life. I've been thinking about this idea of having kids and really how there's no way to get out of it. And I wonder how many really, it's difficult as a woman, especially to know the truth, because so many women that I talk to only provide a certain script about what it means to be a mother. And I started realizing that the way my female friends and community were speaking about motherhood and wanting to have children was far different than what my partner was saying about what the men and dads were saying about parenthood. And so I started to realize that it behooved women to keep drinking the Kool-Aid and only see a side of motherhood that was bliss and meaningful. And then my husband would say, oh yeah, I just talked to so-and-so and he's wrecked right now. He is not in a good mood. He feels very unhappy and unsatisfied. And I thought that was interesting the way the men had the liberty to discuss the realities of parenthood much more than what I was getting. So I thought, man, we're really living in two different worlds where the women are continuing to do the same conversation over and over about motherhood and parenthood. And then there is this more free balling conversation with the other gender. Yeah. One of um, my good friends, well, yeah, from my earlier years, just had a baby and I checked in with her and I said, seems, you know, cause pictures and the story that gets told on social media is, I think that's only a grain of truth. And there's so much more behind what, uh, I don't know, really goes on in people's lives. And so I said, oh, it looks like you're really enjoying it. And she's like, yeah, I am. I'm tired. And she goes, there's so much more like mental and emotional stuff that goes along with it. She goes, I really wish that there was a class for this. And but then like has to put the qualifier of laughing about it or, oh, you know, it's just like what goes along. And I just felt for her in that moment to say like, God, that must be so tough to go from being only concerned about yourself. And here you are growing this baby inside of you and it's fine. And then the moment they pop out is really when it, it's like, it is no longer about you. You, And another friend put it like, I am constantly now considering someone else's needs. Like they are fully dependent on me and everything I do they are ingrained in and involved in. And it's in a way that it's like nothing else can really like hold your attention and take your time and energy like that. And I think that can be like, there's no way to prepare for it. It's, you know, you, you can 
have a dog and all of this. And that is a lot of time and energy and you still need support and community and stuff, some network, but having a child, it's, you're really signing up to be this person's teacher. And I don't think I realized that until I'd been nannying and just had that like dawn on me. I was like, whoa, no wonder that's so hard because you, so many people are signing up and I don't think they realize like that is really what it is. You're being someone's teacher how to navigate through this world. And so many things are going to be asked of you that you probably don't have the answers to. And there's no turning it off. <laughs> so, no yeah, there really isn't. It's like, yeah, you can have. And the people who are fortunate enough to have families and help or the financial means to hire people so that you can have some sort of break. But it always seemed odd to me, like, okay, you have a child, but then you have to go give them to someone so that you can still work and support. And you really, I don't know, that part always kind of gets me. It's like, so you have a kid, but then you put them in daycare and you still have to work and figure out all these things. And I guess you still get to spend time together. I don't know. That's not. I don't know why I thought it odd. What? Why is that considered odd? Uh, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that I've like quite um, worked through that thought. But I guess it's like you want this experience and this to create, have a family and do these things. But so much of it now is like figuring out like who's going to be able to take care of them because the way our society is set up is like most families need two incomes and deciding to have one parent stay at home might not always be an option or like being a single parent in that. I don't even think that's the best option for both parents or parent to stay home. The best? Like, yeah, I don't think that it's all or nothing or that because you have a kid you have to be the only person that takes care of the kid because in a lot of interdependent communities, the parents are still out working and like the grandmother takes care of the child or the aunt or the cousin takes care of the child. And I think this idea, especially it's important for women to not continue to feel like they have to give up their hopes and dreams because they chose to have a child. Therefore, they're beholden to raising the child up until primary school. Yeah. It's really good for kids to see their parents working. Kids don't really need the parents to be around all the time. And they learn so much being around other adults and other children. That is, yeah, that is true. And to be honest, that is sort of um, just ponderings. I can't say that I have like distilled it down to really what I'm, mean by that or understanding the full essence so um maybe that's a letter maybe it's just like but I think that just even saying that it's pointing out these ideas that we have about parenthood yeah I don't know that I'm saying that parents need to stay home or that they have to go to work or whatever it just is kind of Mm, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll move on. Our first question um, is 
Um, Kobe, what are the reasons that make you want to have a child? Uh, I, I think just the experience of seeing what my body is capable of. Uh, I think that's pretty incredible. Like I look at all the women who have children and I'm like, that's amazing that not only you chose to do that once, but if they have more than one child that you do it multiple times and just the strain on the body, but also seeing how powerful it is and all the changes. It's really cool that we have the capacity to grow a human life in us. And so I think a big part of that is just wanting that experience. And then just the experience of being a mother and a parent to see that I could do it and curious what kind of parent I would be because I think I have my ideas and that can be, it can feel kind of fraught sometimes when people are like, oh, you'd be a great mother. And sometimes I look, think, and I'm like, yeah, I, I think so. But I also like, with my dog, sometimes I'm like, gosh, this is a lot. And I, and I can leave him at home and, you know, he's pretty low maintenance compared to like a child, but it's still a big commitment. Um, why else? And I think another reason is sort of fear. I think that goes along with like the socializing and those threads of thought, um, that get rotated like round and round of, well, what would life be like if you didn't have a child? Will you feel fulfilled? Who just kind of like, am I missing out on something? Am I truly missing out on something? What? A little bit of FOMO. Yeah. And thinking, is this something that, yeah. But it's it's like, ooh, man, it's a decision that, like you said, once you make, you cannot go back on I guess there's options adoptions and stuff like that but I don't think that that would not be a route for me but it so it's like you can't kind of beta test the waters it's like all or nothing totally um yeah why would you want to have kids I would want to have kids because I would have a lot of fun I think I have this idea of baking cookies and having traditions and I force my husband to participate and I have just as much fun with him. But I'm like, if I had this like little mini, it would be like a companion with me all the time. And I would get to play with this person and it would be this constant distraction that I think I would have fun with. I have visions of going to Friday night lights and watching footballs or going to plays and thinking of my family and my parents and their interactions and seeing my partner with a child would melt me. So there are those reasons. Yeah. And none of those reasons are enough because (laughs) it all feels very fleeting. Oh yeah. Uh, Like when I talked to my friends who have like young babies I'm like what do you like about motherhood and they're like you know the moment that you get them to laugh or they smile and it just like makes your world you go dang that is powerful because the all the other moments probably in between 
as some sort of, I, I'm sure is enjoyable to some level, but it is just a shift. And I agree with you too, like the traditions, like thinking about all the fun I had with doing stuff with my grandma and my mom and like vacations and just fun activities and I don't know, doing all those things and to have that closeness in a way that does not come when you don't have children. Um, so yeah, but I would, what? What are, no, you complete your thought. What were you going to say? Oh no, but I do agree with you too, that sometimes I don't know that it's enough to say like, Hmm, do I really need to go and like bear a child or go adopt and do that to have those moments? Can I, can I create those moments and feel fulfilled? with like just a partner or something like what you have currently. So I don't know. It's hard to say because you don't know till you have it. (laughs) Yeah, you really don't know. And even being married, you know, it's very, there's a lot of commitment that comes with that. But at the end of the day, with divorce being 50%, you're rubbing elbows with people that have also had a divorce. So society is showing you that you can rebound and that there are just a few steps in order to initiate a divorce. There is nothing supporting that of a parent. There is no divorcing a child. It is a commitment that you, especially a woman, that you are going to be committed to for nine months as you carry the child. And then however many months, if you choose to breastfeed, and then however many years that you may choose to devote to the child in terms of time and caregiving. So it is so much more of a commitment than I can even fathom. Like I don't even, I don't even have any, I've never experienced that level of commitment. I don't even have little nieces or nephews around me. So I have no version of that reality. It's really because so then if I don't have that version, my mind doesn't have anywhere to fantasize. It just kind of is like, well, what what's in front of me? And at the same time, of course, I could still be an individual who does fantasize about it if that's what I wanted. But none of that looks interesting to me or fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And I think we see too, like, even in our adulthood, we're adults and we still rely on our parents for certain things like emotional support or advice, maybe sometimes like financial, I don't know, or just like you never stop being a parent no matter how old we are or they are. Until they pass or we pass, it's like that's the moment you stop being like a parent <laughs> because you no longer can be here in a physical capacity. So, yeah, and I think for me, I really think about because I was raised by a single mom. So my dad left when I was five. And I think that is a big reality to think about Um, because so many people, it's like you don't want to think about not raising the child with your partner or the person you created the baby with. And I am coming to realize I don't know if my desire for having a child supersedes all of that. Like, do I want this child regardless of anything that gets thrown in my path? Like, cause it's, 
I would like a child if I have the partner and the support network there to help me because you really do need that. And it just is like, I think a more conducive environment to raise a child in. And it's like, well, if that's not there, do I have the strength and the willpower? And did I want this child enough? Knowing that like all those things could be possibilities, like that could become a reality, that it isn't going to be always like the nuclear cookie cutter family, if that is the case. And I feel at this moment, my answer is no. So what are your other reasons for not wanting a child right now? Mm. Or if you, maybe you don't have any. Yeah, no, I do. Like the capacity to always be on and like giving because, and I think this really changed too with my health and just realizing that it is a lot, um, for me to just kind of make sure my needs are met on a daily basis. And sometimes even just like taking care of my dog can feel very draining and exhausting and the coordination if I want to go do something. And I don't know, like anything else, if you want it bad enough, you figure out a way to make it happen and like things fall into place. Um, Doesn't always mean it's easy. It's just like there are options and choices but I just don't know if that's like the choice I really want. I feel if I had a person to who was enthusiastic about having a child and that, that that would kind of stir it in me. But I really need to get clear on, is that enough as well? Because you never know what's going to happen in the future. And I think like the financial, but more like the more so the emotional, like, do I really want to sign up to be this person's teacher 24 seven and like basically till I don't know, whenever they leave the house, that just seems like a huge undertaking at this moment. And probably because I have not gotten very clear on the why of why I truly would want to have a child besides kind of superficial things or what feels like superficial to me. I got a superficial one for you. I would love to have a child so that it could really up my Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know. the likes and the attention, and especially right now during COVID when you can't really be seeing people, it's like, God, that can be the lifeline and pipe piping in of, okay, this makes it all worth it. The outpouring yeah. of love and excitement. But man, once those kids turn like two or three, unless they're really cute and charismatic, that really drops off quickly. (laughs) (laughs) The currency. Yeah. And I think that is something new too with our generation is like, I remember when my friends had their kids in their early twenties and it was kind of all like this, like mini me. So it was like dressing alike and it was like their little minis and stuff. And I thought, that is going to be a hard pill to swallow when you realize that this person you brought into this world is their own entire entity. Like, yes, they have your DNA, your personality traits, you're influencing them. But at the end of the day, they really are their own human being. And I think parents have a hard time honoring that because we're very, uh, I don't know what the word is. But I think that's hard to recognize, like, 
oh, I brought you into this world and giving you all these things and the sense of not really being able to control, like you truly are your own entity in this world. And how can I, instead of the mind state, like, oh, I want you to be like me. It's like, how can I foster the gifts you're given? And I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of parents and people have a hard time with that. (laughs) And especially if they are so wrapped up in their identity as being a parent, when your child kind of goes to reject that, it's like a a huge shift and change. Yeah. I think a lot of the nature that we just started this ball rolling is about like our desires Mm -hmm. and like what, is like how will it impact me directly and some of the things that it seems like can be perceived as reasons that would be devastating for a parent realizing that the child is their own individual and that at the end of the day you only have so much control over this very complicated human beyond that there seems to be like so many other considerations that I think a lot of individuals, especially within the millennial population, is considering. And one of that is the state of the world. For me and my partner, it truly does not feel like the kind thing to do to bring a child into this world just because we want to get the oohs and ahs or we want to finally see the child smile or to witness the first step or to have that feeling of meaning and total love that nobody really will know unless they have their own. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like since every single person has an environmental footprint on this earth, does it feel like it's okay to do just to continue to bring in more and more humans? so that we can degrade our environment and knowing that there's so many children that are already here that need homes and loving parents. So the question you and I got into a few weeks ago was about if we want all these moments, why does it have to be our own child? Yeah, that was, and I feel like the, the conversation I've, maybe through your own processing too, it was like, finally you were able to distill it down to that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Now I can see why that's a tricky one. And, um, understand better where you're coming from. And yeah. And cause we could, we could go through the adoption process. Like I've thought about that. Do I need to bear my own child? Cause I'm also, <laughs> that's also another superficial thing. Like my body I don't necessarily want to like have it get all whacked out of shape. I I don't know what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, having the option. And I think I've always enjoyed working with kids and really have the capacity to love a child that isn't my own. However, mm, to show up day in and day out or when things get tough, I don't know at this point. But yeah, do people, do we need to have our own child in order to experience those moments? And 
I don't think so. And I asked my mom this question too. And I think she helped me understand is her, her thing was the amount of love that you feel when you give birth to your own child is like unlike anything else. And she goes, that love really helps you get through all the tough moments, which are going to be there inevitably. And she goes, I just don't know if I would have the capacity to have the same love if it wasn't like my own. I just don't know if I'm that person, which I feel is like very brave and honest to say. Um, because I think when people hear you ask that question, I don't know if you've asked other people and like what their response is. Um, but I think that's the, like, for me at this moment in time, that's the distinguishing factor is the capacity to love another being as much as something that you created, because it is true. You can have those moments with a child that is not your own. I just don't know if there's as many people out in the world like you and your partner who feel they can love that deeply, regardless if it's like your own flesh and blood. It seems such a limited idea of love to me because I know in my heart that when we open up our ideas of love, there is love in so many different forms. It's like the idea of family is not this like male, female and 2.5 children, like grandparents love just as much. Like if they're raising their grandbabies or aunts and uncles, or like my love for my dogs is incredibly unconditional because they have challenged us in so many ways and we continue to show up for them. Or I worked with so many adopted children and their adopted parents, and there was never really a question that those were not their children. And I think about like step parents or um, friends who have to raise, like godparents who have to raise their friends' kids. And it's like to open up our ideas of love. And not make it about our own, like our own selfish needs, really. It allows us to have a conversation that love is multifaceted and can grow when we nourish it in different ways, instead of kind of having this very narrow idea of an expression of love. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I guess, and it's like, I just feel like there's like, um, again, that there's just this like kind of, all these steps that we are supposed to hit and they're still just very sequential and they have been indoctrinated into especially women's brains for so long that it takes a bit of questioning that to kind of realize that we don't have to do that necessarily, that we can express love in all these different ways that we can love our animals and not be embarrassed or have the disqualifying statement of, Oh, I know it's just like my dog, because I'm kind of over that too, because I have been challenged in so many different scenarios with my dogs. And I feel like I really showed up for them. And that that really does, in my opinion, give me an example of how I would show up for a child I adopted who wasn't performing or behaving in the way that we want our children 
to be. Yeah. Um, what have, have you asked other people this question? Nobody like, asked me. And I find that really interesting because I think there's this idea of not asking women if they want to have kids because we're assuming what if they can't have kids as if to think that only the only reason a woman wouldn't have kids is if they weren't able to do it. And I really don't put my opinion on other people. So I'm not going to go around and tell everybody what I think. And even doing this episode, I thought about that, like how nobody really asked me about these ideas. Because I don't know if people want to know what I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, you get in a lot of conversations, I guess, about motherhood. But I'm asking, have you ever asked anyone why they felt they needed to procreate versus adopting if they wanted the parenthood experience? I'm saying, though, that I don't get into a lot of conversations about motherhood with people. Mm. I think people just assume a lot of things about what Matt and I are up to. Like, you know, last a few weeks ago, we had a sleepover and Lisa was like, oh, I just assumed that you guys just didn't want to have kids um, instead of maybe checking in or kind of seeing like, has this conversation changed? And I think because there's this idea that that's a very private question. Yeah. And that it's more respectful to just not maybe inquire. But I kind of have been thinking like a lot of the n- narrative around not inquiring is because we are being sensitive to the idea that maybe some women can't have kids. And then I find that really interesting because I feel like there isn't a lot of space for the female to be open about why it feels cringeworthy to have children in this day and age. Like I truly, um, I don't know when people say like they're pregnant or having a child, like a part of me is like, God, that feels very heavy to me. Like there, the, some, the, whatever is inside of me doesn't have that feeling of joy around that idea. But it's crazy to me because when I think about like having a five-year-old and baking cookies, there's joy in that. It's, Mm -hmm. and it, and you said like, you mentioned having, um, the idea of you not wanting your body to be wrecked. And you said that that was a superficial idea. And I feel like it's not though, because your body is your own and you should be allowed to say like, no, thanks. And to me, the very reason that some women are really intrigued about being pregnant is what makes me want to run in the other direction because I don't, I feel like that's a very traumatic experience to put my body through. Yeah, it is. You like, man, because so much gets just washed over. And then when you really start talking to women about their birthing experience and what they go through, you're like, wait, what? And we keep signing up for this. (laughs) This is, this is the entry point that we have to go through in order to, bring a life into this world. And that's why it seems just amazing that women keep choosing to do it. Cause it's like, 
all the tears, all the reorganization of things and just the healing that has to happen. And especially now with C-sections being the main kind of answer to giving birth. The number one procedure in the United States. That is a major surgery. And then after that, you're expected. Now you have this human being you have to go take care of on top of like just trying to heal yourself. That's why their bodies are flooded with those endorphins is because they did just go through a traumatic experience and they need to not walk away from their child. Yeah. It's pretty incredible like what the body does and just knows how to maneuver. And I think there's a huge disservice done in not being fully transparent. I mean, not to scare people, but also to say, like, this is like a true reality. Hearing my friends say, I wish they had classes on, like, the mental and emotional just transition that happens. And I think they do, but it's still push like oh well now you're a mother and these things should come naturally and like I I don't think that is the case um and I I, I used to oh what I used to think that I had a very jaded perspective on reality through the nature of my work so seeing all the crises that people were going through and now that the statistics are finally supporting what is really going on behind the scenes. I feel like I see what's really happening behind closed doors. And that scares the crap out of me because. Yeah. What? Oh, finish your thought. But I was going to ask, like, give us a few things that are happening behind closed, like the statistics, but you said it scares you to see like what's actually happening. I think I've had real conversations with women who have young children and that because of the nature of my profession, they've been able to be really honest with me. And I have this idea of what is the truth, that this is not such a wonderful experience. And there's this idea like, well, maybe I'm meeting with the socioeconomic group of individuals who are struggling the most, but now... I am working with a lot of wonderful families who have provided their children with everything mm-hmm. that they could possibly have. And their children are crippled with anxiety and depression. So I think as parents, part of why I'm like, we need to be having an ethical consideration and that this conversation needs to be expanded is because we need to speak about what's really going on. And the fact is, is that the world is not what it once was. That has to be considered and discussed because you're bringing a child and that child is going to be the recipient of everything that is difficult. And if you're afraid of that experience for your child, you then create a fortress around that child and isolate that child from what's real in the community. And then that child becomes 18 and the world does not protect the child anymore. Like really, that's what happens is that a lot of the 18-year-olds who go out in the real world and are dealing with teachers who don't care where you're from or bosses who don't care where you're from or love interests who can't be in a relationship with you because you've been so coddled and isolated. It's like at the end of the day, we don't really have as much control, I think, as we once did on how our children are going to turn out. Yeah, I 
from what I understand and what I've been seeing and like listening to, I agree on that. It's like, I think there's this idealistic notion that our children are are the ones we give birth to and create are going to be different. Like it'll be different, but there are so many things at play, as you said, that we're not a factor anymore. Like social media is a huge contributing factor. We both watched Social Dilemma. I finally finished it. And that is terrifying because I think about even myself with social media and how hard it is to get the little hooks that they're so good um, at putting in you and to then have children exposed to this. And I, I that feels really daunting to figure out how to navigate and raise a well-balanced child and when you're up against algorithms and big business who is their number one goal to just grab their attention, grab all of our attention. And it's decreasing our capacity to like communicate and really know what it is like to have a human experience that isn't through a screen. And so that even for parents to parent their children, that seems very scary too. Cause it's like, where's the baseline anymore? And like, I think a parent could say, well, I just won't give my kid access to screens. Well, the moment your kid steps outside, they have access to screens because our school system now are providing our kids with laptops and tablets. And I just had a conversation with a mom the other day about a very difficult moment while the child was in daycare that they had a shooter drill occur and the child was incredibly shook up. And that's the nature of this world is that like once the child enters America, essentially, because I know the stats are that it's much more, there is not such a discrepancy in other countries that are truly pro-family. But in America, we don't support our family. Mm-hmm. But they go out to this world that's kind of messed up, to say the least. Like, that's kind. I think about, like, this past year, and um, there was uh, that, like, few weeks or days where we had poor air quality. Yeah. That's the norm. That's going to be the norm now for our lives is that like what once was maybe a day or two is now turning into five days in a row where you need to be indoors. And like this is the world we're living in where the Amazon is on fire. And that is what helps metabolize all the chemicals in our air. Well, when that's on fire, then we're going to be ingesting a lot of chemicals. And I just sometimes think that if we continue to live in our own bubble, we aren't making the most educated decision about the lifetime commitment that is having a child. Yeah. <laughs> Have I swayed? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think about these things too, and not on the maybe same deep critical level, but I also don't know that we've, really fully gone there in our conversations like this is the first year that I feel I'm starting to get a better understanding of like where you're coming from your perspective and I would say for my own feelings when what was it maybe like four or five years ago I finally started feeling like maybe I don't actually want to have kids 
maybe that's something that really isn't like, maybe that is not what I'm meant to do in this lifetime. Cause I am in many ways like selfish and just trying to figure out like work through my own. Not selfish, selfish, Kobe. I guess. Yeah, no, I, that is just me understanding where, what I want to be getting out of my time. And I am just so enjoying figuring out me and like, getting to know this machine that is Kobe. And so to add other things on top of that feels like I won't really get to fully experience that. And not to say, you know, when you have external factors or relationships, they show you where to grow and how to grow. But being a parent is one of those, like, if I find I don't like it, that is terrible. You can't bow out of that. Or you can, And it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you find you don't really actually enjoy the actual experience of being a parent. Because, two, that is a living, breathing person. That Those have, like, very serious consequences on how they feel about themselves, how they navigate through the world, how they feel nurtured and, like, loved. And I know myself, I have a hard time faking it if I don't really fully feel something. I'm like, oh, God, that would just be terrible if I found I had a kid and ended up not actually enjoying it and then knowing this is what I signed up for for the rest of my life. And maybe there will be a change or something, but who who the hell knows? So I think going to it, I really would have to know, like, I am fully committed to this experience no matter what it brings on my journey. I have sometimes dreams where I'm pregnant and I'm like crushed (laughs) and I I look down at my belly and I'm like, how did this happen? And the sense of total despair that comes over me in the dream is so real. And to me, that really shows me a bit more about how I feel like that I would be devastated. And I remember when I wasn't working full time. And I felt like a lot of the commentary about me not working full time was like, well, why not? If you don't have kids, then what the hell are you doing with your life? As if to say, like, I don't have agency over the decisions I make and that it's only okay to not do a full time work schedule if I have the validating factor of children. Mm -hmm. So then I started to really explore this idea of womanhood and how it's tied up to motherhood. And I thought, who does this benefit? Women constantly having children, who benefits? The patriarchal system benefits because men continue to build their careers. They're not nearly as physically or emotionally impacted by having children or financially or economically. So by like having women continue to assume that that is the next step for us and that that's what's going to bring us meaning, purpose, and true happiness, then we never question it. And I... I am like living this life of abundance where everything feels so full and complete that it almost feels like to bring something else into this dynamic would be a detractor of that. Like my full expression of love is not to procreate with my partner, but to continue to explore the way he sees the world and that I'm so satisfied in that. And like, it's just, I think if we just allow that to be okay, that like maybe it's just a mediocre life and maybe you're not going to have like these 
the epitome of meaning in that like 30 minutes that you've given birth, you know, where you can really express like, oh, I've never felt this way or I've never loved as much. Like I might not ever have that and that that is totally okay. I'm so content with that. And I'm really interested in self-actualization and to breastfeed or to prepare like food or to change a diaper or to supervise playtime. Like that just seems like it's taking me away from what is my purpose. And I don't think like we're trying to say, I think for those, for those women and men who really know that that's what they want, then I'm, I know that that's like their true heart. I know that that's their true heart. And I think that that's amazing. I really want to create a narrative where women who are questioning these ideas and the stigma for childless women, like that we start to question, like, well, why is there a stigma for me or you? Yeah, no. And opening up the space and feeling like it's safe to explore that and talk honestly about, hmm, yeah, I don't know that that is like where we want to put our time, money and energy into like having a child because it's expensive. And again, for if that's like what a person wants to do and feels they will make the time, they will find the money, they will have that like figure out where did the energy come from to do that. And I do agree with you too, with the economic impact and ethical, it is the stress right now and just kind of uncertainty. And I think my mom always says, you know, every generation just worries about bringing a child into the world. Um, And somehow, I don't know, it'll probably end up being okay. But there are really serious things to consider now. It's like we're driving around. We took a road trip um, around the Olympic Peninsula last week. And my mom's like, all all these areas used to just have huge, massive trees. And you just think like, oh, they would never go away. Well, that's not the case anymore. It's just I feel like the intention and who is able to guide humanity does not have humanity's best interests at heart. And that feels very disheartening. And to bring a child into this world, when so many things feel stacked against, and it's like, I don't know, I just don't know if that's a lifetime, (laughs) like that's supposed to happen in this lifetime. And it could change. But to really have these conversations where we can go to the extremes and the opposite, and to say, like, gain, gain clarity, then that just helps, like, understand my own personal perspective, or my why. Sometimes I think that if um, I had adopted it, if I have adopted a child, then I don't feel as bad if things don't work out. <laughs> so, like, in my ideal version of a child being well adapted, it's like they do great in school, they have lots of friends, they're happy, healthy, they have goals, they're socially conscious and caring about their fellow citizens. That is my ideal. And I'm assuming that if I were to adopt a child, that would fall short. But I guess I wouldn't feel as bad because I'm like, well, ideally, I gave you a 
better life than potentially what it could have been growing up in the system where you didn't have a stable home, nothing was consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think that that feels more satisfying to me. Like, and I feel like I can really show up for a child in that sense of feeling like I'm doing the best I can to help guide you in this world and be your teacher and provide you with opportunities and experiences that lead you to have an enriched life. And if you fall off my idea of what I want for you, that's okay also because I'm just doing the best I can. Whereas I guess there feels like there's so much more pressure when I intentionally brought a human in. Yeah. That feels like too overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. I could see the difference. (laughs) Like adopting kind of creates some space and... Yeah, I can see that. You put it, you really. And it's also a bonding thing, like for my partner and I adopting dogs that were so unattractive when we first got them and had all these behavioral issues and then seeing the growth, it becomes this thing that you and your partner share together knowing that the situation in the beginning has evolved and changed and it shows like the resiliency in human life or dog life or whatever life, you know? And so that, if that's something that you value, like growth, change and challenge a bit, then I think you get a lot of reward from adopting. So um, I guess I'm just continuing to put out the idea, like to the whole adoption thing. Like if that's what you want is to be a parent, then adoption seems like such an option that I think a lot of people assume that it's only a certain type of people that can really handle adoption when really I'm like, maybe more people just aren't giving themselves enough credit. Yeah. Um, that very well could be. And hmm, I don't, uh, it's something I would have to explore more, but I still feel like there's a certain, because people's, ideas and maybe because they haven't had like these deep conversations and expanded awareness about what love is and their capacity and also with adoption or being in the system like people just kind of using children as like a meal ticket to get you know state funding and that I think maybe there's a lot of connotation or stigma around that in a way um yeah consider you don't get a lot of funding at all for the child. Yeah. And I don't know, but I feel like this would be more of an interesting conversation to have with people. Like I, I, because I don't know that anyone really has a good answer. Like, I think you've gotten really clear on it because you keep peeling away the layers. Um, But I would love, yeah, I would love to ask more, especially like our friends who haven't had children yet. Like, if you want to have a family, why do you feel you want to give birth to your own child? Like, just really kind of starting to see more of the reasonings and do they really hold up? And maybe they do for that person. But um, what I think you're asking is asking people to dig deeper and really to question the narrative they've been running because it's a good question (laughs) when we've brought this up 
the pushback we get is, oh, well, you just never know the way that child's going to turn out. You just never know. I've heard horror stories and it's like very fear based. And my partner and I have had to look at each other and say, well, we both have addiction that runs rampant in our families. We both struggle with diagnosable mental illness. We both have genetics that would be hereditary. So, I mean, we're not, we're not in good shape to like really procreate, you know, it's like any, any horror stories that could be our own child. Like, and the idea that it's separate, I think is the challenge that I want to pursue. It's like, why do we think that those children are any different than the children that are growing up in these like middle-class families? Cause I can tell you from my work is that it is going on in your middle-class families. They're just much easier at hiding it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, yeah, when you take away that, then I feel when you adopt, you have more background information like that person's already formed and created and out here in the world. So you, you can have a better starting point on how to maybe work with something if it's not so seamless. Like if it doesn't just, if it's like they were drug addicted or have all these different things. Um, yeah, then you have a better starting point to understand and understand too if that's something like you want to take on. But when you give birth to a child and they don't come out like quote unquote healthy, then that can be very devastating. And having to navigate that and feeling like here you were all prepared to have a happy, healthy baby and that's not the case. And also, like you're saying, that was your choice to bring this child into this world and having to deal with all the emotional fallout of, did I do something wrong? Why me? All these different things that I'm sure those parents go through. I think that um, what that makes me think of is that we as humans potentially have um, a misguided idea of control, like the actual nature of what we have control over. And really we have very little control over any outcome. And so I think that the idea of maybe procreating, it's like, well, maybe then I'll have like a bit more of an ability to control. And I don't believe that's true. Yeah, no, I think it's fun to procreate and do that and like create a scenario. It's like before you date someone and you're imagining and it's like, oh, all the fluffy good feelings. And then when you get right down to it, it's like the day in and day out work. It's just tough. It's like having to show up even when you don't want to. And we have to do that in our lives. Children, no children. And if you have a partner, it's like there's another added factor to that dynamic. And then the more children you have, and then the family dynamics and stuff, it's, there's a lot to navigate. And so I think those little moments of the traditions and stuff, like you said, aren't enough for you to fully want to commit to this yet, if ever. Um, because, yeah, those are great, but they're not enough to say like, yeah, I want to commit to the whole thing. Um, well... Yeah. Well, that's that's it. That's a wrap, folks. 
I'm gonna go get my hand after this. Kobe's swimming. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hmm. That was. I feel like we're not done with this conversation, but for this particular episode and podcast, our season finale, season one done. Um, I guess that's where we gotta leave it. Uh, but you guys, what? Kobe. Kobe, I'm running the show today, okay? What? I'm running the show today. Oh, okay, my bad. (laughs) Kobe, okay, so we just did 10 episodes. What have you learned or loved the most about your intro into podcasting? Oh. I would say... I'm proud of us for showing up and committing to this. And the 10 episodes seem to just happen so quickly. Like to have, well, I guess like birth, here we are talking about it. And then we created it and it went through its gestation. And then we birthed it out into the world and just had to be okay with it not being perfect and us just navigating and like being very public for on very personal topics. Um, And I'm proud of myself for showing up and not letting fear get the best of me and to say like, okay, that things will be changing. Ideas will be changing. Someone may not like what I say. I may not even like what I say, but I did it. I put it out there and just to acknowledge like, yep, that's a part of me. That was like a moment in time that I I had those feelings or thoughts and maybe those still hold true. I think it's really cool. And to have this like timestamp recorded of our thoughts and ideas and our relationship, I think that's really neat. Um, yeah. Kobe, what? I'll be coming back. Se- I'll be coming back season two. Well, guys, I'm pregnant. Disregard, cancel, cancel a race. I changed my mind. That was just a time stamp in reality. We're all allowed to change our minds. Growth and evolution, everybody. Oh, God. Um, and it's like all about motherhood. And you're like, well, Kobe, sorry. You're not a part of this conversation anymore, you know. That would be um, okay. hilarious. What did you, what have you loved? Oh, I have loved trying something new, something that I've always thought about doing, but felt like I could never do it. Yeah. Um, I've loved the growth of putting myself out there and hating what I've, what I'm listening to and also getting okay and getting used to that. Like, Oh yeah, you can put yourself out there and sound like a fool and you still survive. You know, it's like the ultimate, feeling of shame by thinking that other people are judging you and how important I think it is for me and my growth to practice that, to really put myself out there and let go of the outcome. Um, I think what I'm looking forward to, like, I think this episode shows our growth because I think being willing to have potentially a triggering episode and being able to show up and be truly honest about what we think and feel shows that we are staying in alignment with our values and goals for the pod. Yeah. Um, 
I'm looking forward to the most having my best friend back and not talking about pod related activities and just taking a break from the workload because um, if there's an intern, if there's an 18 year old that wants to upload all of our images and like write our description, we welcome you because it's a lot of work. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, is I through this and I've heard this before from other podcasters, it's like. If you like your friend, don't do a podcast with them because it can be really fraught. And I'm proud of us for really showing up and having this kind of being able to work together. Yet we Mm -hmm. realize how important it is for us to connect as friends that are that does not have to do with work, just like any other relationship. I just don't think we saw that coming. At least I didn't or thought that that would apply to our friendship. And I'm like, I miss just hanging out and seeing you and just being. And I feel like that is where we get the the momentum, the juice, like the meat of what brings us to these conversations is when we just get to hang out and there's no agenda. It's not like, okay, well, that's the next pod top topic like we just get to talk and hang out and be Kobe and Sadie and ponder things and that feels really refreshing and nice and like not a lot of pressure so I agree with that and I'm happy to acknowledge that's what I think we'll really enjoy our break yeah and I think for season two since you guys have gotten to know us now it'll be fun to have more guests on so that there can be more of a spotlight on them and just bringing in different perspectives for stuff that is outside of my experience. I like, I want to keep learning and growing and I think having continuing interesting conversations. So that'll be fun. Well, thank you everybody. If you're still with us, Um, we're at one hour, nine minutes and 12 seconds counting. So if you're still with us, man, you're a diehard. You need some mutt swag headed your way. Um, But Kobe and I, we got to sign off and just thanks for listening and thanks for hanging out with us as we journey through life together on the podcast. Yeah, we love you guys. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe, and we will see you, I don't know, in the near future for season two. Okay, bye. Bye. Mama